welcome to episode one of uh, Didn't I Blow Your Mind This Time. I'm Duncan. I'm Lex. And this is the show where we, on every episode, uh, either Lex or I will pick a film the other hasn't seen for them to watch in the hopes that the film totally blows their mind. Now, what constitutes a mind-blowing film? Oh, I don't know, a level of cult status, a certain forgotten element, maybe an air of rediscovery, a little bit of transgression, a certain level of difficulty. I don't know. That's for us to delve into episode by episode. But uh, the, the point of the show is that we are going to be discussing uh, the film that was picked and uh, find out if it blew the other person's mind. Uh, did we blow their mind or their respect for us? I don't know about that <laughs> last part, but you, uh, you guess, you get what I'm saying, Lex. Uh, so this was, this was, uh, the ball was in my court for this, uh, first episode to blow your mind. What, what movie did I pick? You chose wake in fright. It was released in 1971. Director is Ted Kochef. This, this is what had me excited from, from jump. Um, Ted directed. First Blood, the first Rambo movie. Amazing. I don't film. even need to qualify that. Uh, Fun with Dick and Jane with George Siegel and Jane Fonda. North Dallas 40, which is an amazing movie. And and then it just, you know, there's there's just bits and bobs of pop culture here and there. We go to Weekend at Bernie's. Switching Channels, which was one of my favorites with uh, Burt Reynolds and Kathleen Turner in the late 80s, because I, I think Broadcast News might have been rated R and came out at the same time. So <laughs> I got to watch Switching Channels, which I think was rated PG-13. Um, Folks! Exclamation point with Tom Selleck and Don Amici. Uh, which is uh, a favorite of a mutual friend of ours, and I've never seen it. Um, and then it looks like Ted, uh, uh, I don't, because I, I haven't seen this stuff, um, but I'm going to say it devolves into a TV schlock with Family of Cops with Charles Bronson, a TV movie, and then some Red Shoe Diary stuff in the 90s. But man, well, yeah, these are some really major taking entries. Swipe, taking a swipe at TV. Didn't he do, uh, isn't he a big, like, <laughs> is it all Law & Order or SVU guy? Um, I, I did see that, uh, but I don't know the details. Okay. I, I, it's, I think it's one of the actresses from uh, from uh, SVU who does the intro to his book, uh, which I was flipping through last well, night. And, and I really love Ted Kochev. I think he's great. I hope I'm pronouncing on. his name right, too. Uh, There's you, a book. One, one film that you there is there is I think came out a few years ago. One film you left off his uh, resume is the Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz, taken from a very famous uh, Canadian novel and and uh, introducing the world to the leading man uh, Richard Dreyfus. He'd been in movies before. He had a little part in, in uh, The Graduate, but this was his first leading role in the movie that made him a bit of a breakout. Wow! And I just I when I spotted that on on the resume, I thought, oh, this is this is a Duncan special right here. I know nothing about it. I'm I'm sure you have seen it and love it right uh i have seen it it's been years i remember liking it a lot i remember i, I feel like it's like richard dreyfus and the cat skills it's a, a coming of age picture um okay. uh but uh, but there are certain movies from his from his resume as you were just rattling off that i've not seen but i love north dallas 40 i think first oh, blood too. is just uh fantastic and there's there's a couple a little bit of dna uh in that in uh, in wake and in, in uh fright a hundred percent. I thought the same thing, especially with the, uh, the Stallone, um, Dennehy car ride. Um, you know, when Dennehy first picks up Stallone and, um, wants to 
get him out of town and says basically you know why are you here does the the, the talk up um that very much felt like a part of of this movie um i just wanted to before we dive into the movie i wanted to ask you about one more movie on on ted's resume here uh split image with michael o'keefe karen allen peter fonda james woods brian dennehy have you heard of this and do you know what it's about I have heard of it only because at uh, the Cine Family Repertory Theater that has since been uh, uh, dismantled and, and canceled years ago in LA, I believe it was a in their teaser trailer, getting you to join Cine Family, it was uh, uh, some spliced together scenes from Split Image. Uh, so I, I have not seen the film. I, I think it's a cult film. I'm a big Michael O'Keefe fan. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, let me put it, it may on my show list. Up on, it may show up on, on Didn't I Blow Your Mind This Time down if Michael the O'Keefe's listening, I don't know why you don't follow me on Twitter. I've, I've thrown quite a few compliments his ways over the years. And he, uh, <laughs> Nothing? He is resisting. The, sl- the slugger himself? I've thought about getting a... I've, n- I've never done a cameo or bought a cameo for anyone. Uh, if people know the cameo service, you get a celebrity to say things to a friend for your birthday or something. But Michael O'Keefe's on there and you can you, you kind of feel a little bit of... Uh, or at least I, I felt a little bit of... I don't know, resignation, a little bit of despair as he tucks his, his hair into the Danny Noonan golf cap and does the, you know, does the lines from Caddyshack, which is one of my absolute favorite comedies. But I almost want to do a cameo just to have him do a couple lines from like the great Santini or something for me. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, I thought you, that you were hinting that this you wanted a Christmas present and this is what it would be. I would like that, too. I kind of want him to do okay. both. I want him to do a little Danny Noonan, a little great Santini or one of his other roles, because I, I do think he's uh, he's very talented. Um, anyway, enough of me shining Michael O'Keefe's apples. <laughs> just to give a little idea of what the movie uh, is. Um, yeah. I mean, I might call it a. I th- you know, I think the first time I saw it a couple years ago, uh, I watched it on Criterion. And then I, oh. I, I rewatched it uh, two nights ago on Shudder. And I say that because the film kind of occupies a space between art house and horror, between uh, Ozploitation and Australian New Wave, uh, between also, I'd say, Celebrated and Forgotten. And I'll get into that in a second. Yeah. But just in a, in a nutshell, the, the story for people that haven't seen the film is about a uh, uh, returning home uh, for the school holidays, Sydney bred bonded. I'll get into that teacher. Uh, John Grant is the character's name who gambles away all his money during a, a layover in the remote outback mining town of, uh, I might, I hope I don't mispronounce this, Bunda Yaba or the Yaba as it's known oh, by and referred to many times by the characters in the movies and finds himself uh, stranded in this, uh, a, a bizarre, uh, hellish uh, town uh, in the outback. So you know, it 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 could be a it could be kind of a planes, trains, and automobiles uh, type uh, fun <laughs> I fest. Know. And guess what? It's not. I dubbed it the Australian Hangover. It's the, the, <laughs> the dark side of the hangover. Um, also, I, I gave it uh, AKA You Give Oz a bad name. I wonder how it was received in Australia. It just well, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. Uh, not that, not that well. Not that well. Surprisingly. No. Uh, now the novel was a bit of a a, a bit of a hit. So okay. they were. Tr- this was a, a no brainer that they were going to make this movie. At one point, it was yeah. going to star Dirk Bogard. 
Yeah, I saw that it was that it was in development for about almost ten years before it came out in seventy one, right? Uh, yeah, and then they had uh, and then Ted Kochiff, and he originally wanted uh, Michael York, who uh, thought certain elements of the script were too controversial for him, a little too hot. Although he later regretted not taking the role. And I, I mean, I think we're better off without him. I will say that. Um, uh, oh, help me with his name. Is it um, uh, our, our our lead Gary Bond? Who looks like Gary a, Bond, an even younger, a young Peter O'Toole. He's fantastic. Very good. I, I, he's, he's he's very so good. good. I, I feel like it's my favorite Donald Pleasance role, and if you know me, you know that saying quite a lot. Uh, but I was going to say that yeah. So the film uh, premiered at, at uh, Cannes, and. Uh, it, uh, you know, it, it got some acclaim, but it did not do well. It it, it uh, bombed in Australia. It did well in France because, of course, you know, the French, of course. they're ready for this. Uh, uh-huh. And then it was lost for many, many years. The uh, grainy transfers were shown on Australian TV. It was not a, uh, a celebrated film. I guess maybe it had a little bit of cult status. Uh, I, I was not aware of it growing up. And then uh, 2009, uh, yeah. it uh, played at Cannes again after the... Uh, the master print was discovered in Pittsburgh after a long, long search uh, in a box that was uh, about to be destroyed. Oh and, my God, uh, really? and it played only the second film to play Khan twice. And one of the big champions of the film was a director. You might know him. His name's Martin Scorsese. And oh, he was yeah, there. Some at the, quotes. Yeah, he's a huge fan of the film. So when when uh, Ted Kotcheff says when the uh, film first screened at Khan, uh, he heard someone talking behind him very excitedly. Uh, being very effusive about the film. Oh my God, are, are they going to go there? Oh, is this going to happen? Oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. And it was 25-year-old Martin Scorsese who'd only done one feature uh, and, and uh, Ted did not meet him or know him, but had asked after him because he was like, who is this guy talking behind me? So, so great that years later- That was a hot the- impression, by the way. <laughs> I don't do impressions. I don't do, I might do a little uh, Australian one later. Uh, okay, but you know, okay. so, so great. So years later, what is that? 40 years later, the film plays again at Cannes and yeah. it's, it's Marty who's championing it, who's bringing it in for something called a, oh. a Cannes classic. And Okay, uh, so he and, did the push. Really, yeah, did the push after a huge uh, restoration, I should say, of the, of the film. Um, and it so looks that's, great. Yeah, it, it, it looks fantastic. Um, and, uh, and that's why the film, you know, it's hard to kind of, uh, it's, it's not really a lost film at all or a cult film, but certainly something that before 10 years ago, I'd never heard of and only recently watched in the last two years. One little tidbit that I noticed that was kind of cool about the, the con, um, uh, in 71 walkabout was also there at the same time there were, so there were two Australian, uh, films there. I mean, I guess Nicholas Rogue also. So that's an interesting element that that both of those are movies about Australia, but not directed by Australian directors. Um, I kind of get the feeling in reading about this that maybe at that point, um, there wasn't a ton of respect for Australian cinema in Uh, the early I would agree. I would agree. I think there's a lot about the movie that benefited from, I mean, talk about the perfect marriage of material and director. And I think there's elements of the movie that probably benefited from having a uh, yeah. outsider's eye. Um, I mean, it's interesting because the uh, Kochev is an Australian. The uh, screenwriter adapting it had never been to Australia. And mm. then you've got, uh, you know, a couple um, Australian actors, but then you also have these performances by, you know, Donald Pleasance, obviously, uh, I believe he's British. Right. And um, yep. 
uh, Coach F's wife, um, whose name I'll remember in a second. Uh, she plays um, Jeanette. Jeanette. She plays. She Jeanette. does not. Really? She does. That's a very, oh, cool. Very difficult role. It, it definitely is. Um, that's, that's Sylvia Cat. Wow. So was she in other stuff? Uh, that is a good question. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up. I I don't know. I found that wasn't uh, oddly enough. He talks about her in the chapter of the book, but uh, doesn't really talk about their decision to cast her in what is a, um, you know, a challenging role for sure. Um, for sure. Um, and then that's uh, Chips Rafferty playing Jock, who was a well-known uh, Australian actor, uh, and that's his last role. And uh, uh, there's a, a funny story in the book that uh, you know there's a lot there's a lot of drinking in the movie there's a lot of aggressive drinking and right. uh, the jock character and uh, Chips Rafferty I guess uh, did not want to drink fake beer movie beer so at, at one point Kachif says you're going to be drinking uh, you know thirty pints a day for this one shot where you're, you're drinking you know two pints as you watch it on camera no cuts and uh, he just he just rolled with it and uh, it was a, a real pro I guess. It, it 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 looked and felt authentic, and I think that that actually back to your point about um, uh, outsiders being uh, sort of the perfect choice to uh, to tell this story. It it definitely and Kochev, I think, has this background. It has a documentary feel um, at, at times, and reminded me of uh, Mike Hodges' Get Carter, um, which also has that sort of um, bar documentary feel real real people that was also in 71 and then uh in my mind by by the time i reached the end of this this movie uh i couldn't help but think of straw dogs which also was 71 so it really there's 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 a feeling there's something about 71 that is that's bringing this this these undertones of of violence bubbling to the surface um that is very much at play in in this movie. And, oh, and it was another good. time. It was another time, and cinema was richer for it. And Deliverance was uh, only a year later, <laughs> I believe. So Borman um, was another person I thought of. Yeah, very very dark stuff. Um, you know, one thing that I I, I did find really interesting about uh, reading a little bit about Ted Kochev and reading a little bit about his book. Uh, obviously, the novel it's it's very faithful to the novel. Novels obviously very very. Uh, um, negative, bleak, dark view of the outback um, in this yeah. area, which uh, was based on a town called Broken Hills, which is the area they ended up shooting in, um, written, okay. written by an Australian writer, his first novel. But uh, Ted Kochev, I, I, I guess when he first came to Australia and wanted to do his own research, and he did a pass on the script because the, the screenwriter, like I said, was not Australian and and wasn't able to join him there for the filming. So he he, he dug in a little bit, you know, visited the outback, and while finding it as as bleak and terrifying as the novel, he also found a lot of parallels to the Canadian expansive wilderness and the Canadian masculinity of which he was much more familiar. And there was a, a little bit of warmth and a little bit of humor and camaraderie that he found in the characters that he brought out in the movie. It's it's hard to imagine the movie being any bleaker, mm-hmm. but I think there there is a, a kind of... Uh, from what I read and how he describes it, a respect for the uh, for the locals that uh, he brought to the film that uh, is more dismissive um, in the book. 
And I think the film benefits huh. from that. I mean, that's that's kind of what I think is is so amazing about the movie is you have this this school teacher, this uh, maybe not urbane, but um, well, a certain level of sophisticated. On... Yeah, he's got right. he's got he's got some Plato hardcovers in his suitcase. This yeah. this uh, school teacher. Um, you know, who is, is stuck in this, this backwater town and everybody's aggressively in his face in a lesser movie uh, that was just kind of a, a thriller. You would U-turn? imagine they'd, uh, <laughs> more of a U-turn, they'd be chewing up the scenery and be very threatening. Right. Right. In this, you're, you're really uh, trying to figure out what, what the game is everybody's playing because they're so right. almost aggressively friendly that it's exhausting that they, they, they you know, they, they love the Yuba. You to the Yuba? Yes. Staying long? Yeah, just tonight. Oh, that's hard luck. Want to see a bit more of the Yuba than that. You think it's worth seeing? <laughs> it's the best place in Australia. Everybody likes the Yuba. Why? Well, it's a friendly place. Nobody worries who you are or where you come from. You're a good bloke, you're all right. You know what I mean? And they want to drink, right. and if they if you don't drink, they're going to get insulted. And uh, all the characters you meet have very distinct, you know, uh, uh, personalities. So it's 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 not just a uh, they're not just all uh, uh, the same shades of this kind of uh, uh, alpha dog, uh, you know, hyper masculine type. And they're 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 really they're really all very well drawn characters. Absolutely, and and. And you see that in the first act, um, I feel like it's illustrated very well. They're not demonized in in any way. And if anything, um, Jack's the the main character. Jack's character um, isn't while he may be relatable. Um, you you don't necessarily think he's in the right for being, you know. Uh, a snob. You can you can understand his his perspective, but um, you know he wields sarcasm and it it falls on on deaf ears. But um, you know you don't necessarily have to make that choice when when talking to 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 these folks. You know, um, but when yeah, Donald you're, Pleasance, you're not minding him getting a little comeuppance. No, now, the comeuppance comes a little stronger than anyone would have thought but but yeah yeah you're you're kind of enjoying the fact that okay this guy's going to get straightened out a little bit well donald pleasance's character uh, which appears um uh, like the 15 to 18 minute mark um he's an outsider and is identified as as such um but he voices their perspective um really well uh, there, there were a couple lines that I wrote down that I thought were <laughs> pretty amazing. At first, it's 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 his first line is more for uh, for Jack. He says, "All all the little devils are proud of hell," which is a fantastic line. Why did you say that? Say what? Well, about them being proud of hell. Discontent is a luxury of the well-to-do. You got to live here. You might as well like it. Why don't you like Crawford? Joe? The touch of his hairy hand offended I'm a fool with it. The aggressive hospitality, the arrogance of stupid people who insist you should be as stupid as they are. It's death to farm out here. It's worse than death in the mines. 
You want them to sing opera as well. It, it is amazing. I, I flag that line too. I, I, I love it about uh, you want them to sing opera too. It's it's so well delivered and it it, it uh, really shuts up our main character and uh, it, it it sums up the the philosophy of the of the outback so well. At least in this film, um, yeah. I mean, Pleasance is amazing i mean he's amazing out of control but he also has this code he lives by where he only you know he doesn't drink hard alcohol he only drinks beer and he's oh, right. this uh you know kind of back country intellectual but everybody uh you know respects him and and he he has his oh god he has his uh you know his sex buddy uh <laughs> that he Jeanette. brags about yes and yeah. his disgust disgusting cabin that he lives in for free and uh, eating kangaroo meat and just every shot of every time he goes in the into the fridge to just see which of the beers is is drinkable oh there's rat shit on the floor and and yet he's he's you know he has this amazing sort of basically progressive monologue dismissing a, a, a puritanical uh viewpoint and um lands him square i mean that's i feel like that's why that's part of why this plays now it feels contemporary now living in a a, a shack and and eating basically dog food um is <laughs> is not the goal but he's um, a hipster. still yeah he's a hipster no yeah you know his, his dialogue in particular feels very very contemporary but so that uh the journey to to even get to that point feels like the inferno he has these um guides every step of the way and he's sort of handed off uh from from uh chip's character to then donald pleasance and each step of the way he gets deeper and deeper into this these circles of hell um and every step of the way which what i thought was fascinating is that you know in spite of his his um suitcase full of uh play-doh and and um and learned books every step of the way he's guided by you know base instincts it's it's sex food booze money that pulls him deeper and deeper in and what what i think is amazing about the performance and also about the character is that you watch this guy um show himself to be um insecure uh unguided and um easily swayed because the truth is is that you know uh, apart from his um his his intellect and his attitude he's not he's not active and he doesn't necessarily have a goal other than what is set out at the beginning which is to 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 be with his girlfriend on the beach um in sydney yeah yeah it's unclear uh, how bright a bulb uh gary bond's character is um and that's that's also kind of interesting you're you're rooting for him but you're i i think i think if he had been a a more traditional hero the journey would almost be too painful to go through Uh, the fact that he can be a little priggish uh, Uh a little smug a little sarcastic um uh you know makes makes it at least the beginning a little more palatable when he starts to get his come comeuppance and i should say so he, he is a bonded teacher which i oh, was yeah. a little unclear on what that was so so he's bonded meaning uh i guess in australia that for his uh, uh tertiary education uh and the ability to teach 
he had to put up a certain amount of money, in this case, $1,000, to get this assignment to teach for two years in the outback before he can then go on to teaching, I guess, in a, in a city or Sydney or someplace more desirable. So he's kind of in the it's whole- It's indentured servitude. Indentured servitude. Yeah. So when he stumbles upon this uh, this this gambling uh, in the in the, uh, the which the, is the, amazing town an amazing game which exists and I read that, that is that, that right point, oh yeah that Ted Kochiff and his uh, one of his producers won twelve thousand dollars at one point they got uh, twenty one they got heads twenty one times it's heads it's heads or tails. That's it's the heads game. or tails, and then I, I guess what's interesting about it is you make these side bets, and there's never any squelching on the side bets. Oh, okay. Um, but he said there was something very hypnotic about it. It's it's certainly really cinematic, um, uh, the way he shoots it from that high angle. And uh, anyway, to, to, just to say that that, that is why the, the main character is, is, is so invested in, uh, in winning uh, money to kind of get out of his indentured right. servitude uh, with right. the teaching. And never but have it to is, come back to this area again. It, it's the perfect mechanism to pull him in of, of his own free will, uh, which is that from the outside, when he first sees this game and he sees how invested these people are in it as a pastime, um, how passionate they are. And, and uh, it's easy to call this game moronic, which he does. Um, and yet when he starts winning so easily he's he's pulled in quickly he realizes the benefit of it um and and quickly he he then loses his money um because you know uh, there's the allure of of trying to break free of his his thousand dollar uh bondage and that's what gets us into act two and he's stuck and the next day he wakes up um and he's broke in this town and uh it's a saturday so the labor office is closed so he doesn't know how to make some quick money and so the this is this is where we are for the for the next part of the movie and um these chapters where uh that reinforce the the title of of <laughs> of getting deeper uh through the night and then waking up the next morning and realizing uh the the state of of your reality and and just how deeper you've gone um, is is the premise, and it works really well. Uh, yeah, and it's it's uh, you you think the film has hit a level of depravity that it can't sink any lower, but uh, but it does, but it does, and that's uh, odd, odd to say that that's one of the joys of this film, but but it is. Um, so I also read just to just to talk about um, what Kochev was aiming for in the movie. Uh, yeah. He has a quote that he said he, he really wanted to make people feel like they were sweating sweating through it. So uh, there was a um, for his production design, no, no soft colors, no cool colors, no blues, no greens. Yeah. It's all dirt colors, reds. He had flies Except imported for the, from the, Sydney. The memory and the fantasy sequence, right? Like we go to blue sky when he's dreaming of escape. For that with his gorgeous girlfriend on the, on the, yeah. the beautiful shores of uh, Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, he brought in, uh, uh, special machines and special red dust to kind of blow out, uh, to have that kind of dust moat, uh, uh tinge to the air and, and, and that swirl, all these things that, uh, could, could have just been so easily lost. And I'm sure were for many years when it was just a, a crappy transfer playing on Australian TV. Right. I mean, right. He, it must've just been, it's gorgeous. What a feeling for a filmmaker to have a film that bombed in the country 
you know, in its native country that was lost to history yeah. and then is rediscovered and is celebrated as really your best film. And uh, I mean, I mean, it's amazing that all the best Australian filmmakers, everyone from, you know, Peter Weir to Nick Cave is like, this might be the best Australian movie ever made. Is that right? Um, it's 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 got to be very gratifying. Gary Bond is is a, a striking actor to to look at on screen, so I feel like that really helps. And then the contrast with um, Pleasance, uh, who is you know Not. Ghoul, ghoulish uh, at times, um, also hilarious. Uh, uh, it just it just all works so well. And so then when we uh, we sort of flip into night halfway through. Um, the uh the movie um as he he gets lured into another long drinking session with a guy named uh i couldn't tell if it was jim hines or tim hines who i think it's so tim hines desperate to to just um have this guy drink with him will you have a drink no i'm toying with this one thanks well drink it down i'll buy another Look, I'm flat broke and I can't afford to drink. What's that going to do with that man? I said I'd buy you a drink. You don't have to buy me one. Now drink it down. And that's when we meet uh, his daughter, Jeanette, who is, I guess, played by Ted Kochev's wife. Um, and then these other drinking buddies. Um, and there's this uh, awkward um, sex scene. It's not a sex scene that he ends up before anything happens. He, he throws up, um, and from again, from drinking, um, sort of points to, uh, you know, who, who this, this guy is. I mean, there's this motif of him constantly not being able to keep up, um, that works really well in this uber masculine, uh, setting. Um, and, uh, and then he wakes up in Donald Pleasance's hut, uh, which you described. Well, in any case, I can't stay in your um, cabin indefinitely, can I? Doesn't mind. I just lived here for five years. Anyway, you're better off here than trying to sponge on men like Tim Hines. On sponge? Yeah, sponge. Sit down, eat your grub. I'm going to need it. We're going hunting with Dick and Joe. Kangaroo. Hunting? Yeah, you were boasting in your tops. And so... Good shot. I said you won a silver medal at school for target shooting. Oh? Mama. You wouldn't have an aspirin, would you? Um, and it turns out that he mouthed off and... Uh, and, and said that he was the greatest sharpshooter. So then uh, what they look forward to next is a day of uh, hunting kangaroos, which is a big sequence in the movie. Um, a big sequence in the movie. And uh, just to go back, that that moment where he, it looks like he is going to um, have sex um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, with this, this woman that comes on to him, this very lonely daughter of the Tim Hines character that he met in the bar. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then he throws up and she kind of wipes his mouth a little bit. It's almost maternal and it's, it's so dark and it's so emasculating uh, uh, for him, embarrassing for her. 
it's such an interesting choice. It's it's like it almost had to happen. You're, you're expecting them to have sex and the, the yeah. a couple of the thugs to discover them and, and beat them up. Right. And then this right. happens. And it, somehow it just makes even more sense. Just be just this element. It's so of this, revealing. Uh, nothing is going to go right for either of these characters. And then to, to have the Donald Pleasance character then reveal that he and Jeanette uh, have this kind of animalistic uh, on again, off again thing. And, and, and he's, he's kind of rubbing it in uh, the Gary Bond character's face is so disturbing and and they really shine a light on it and the sequence goes on and on as as, as the Gary Bond character is going to the bathroom and Donald yeah. Pleasance isn't giving him any privacy and is no, instead, he, he, every uh, angle being he turns. a chatty Kathy about his sex stories Jeanette's the sort of girl I'd like to marry she likes sex she likes experiment and the, she likes variety we thought about getting married once, but neither of us had lived with one person for very long. Still, she visits me from time to time. When I want her. And when she gets bored with them. Beer. What's wrong with a woman taking a man because she feels like it? I really don't know. Because there's nothing wrong with it. Sex is just like eating. It's a thing you do because you have to. Not because you want to. But most people are afraid of it. You seem offended by my little discussion of Jeanette. In the circumstances, I thought you'd be interested. Well, I'm not. You're probably a little Puritan. Like the rest of these people? They think Jeanette's a slut. The women who'd like to act like her. And the men she has given a tumble to. Jeanette and I are alike. We break the rules. But we know more about ourselves than most people. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's really uh, a curveball that somehow works so well, but also uh, I, I just found it very surprising. And I wonder well, what... There's... There's also this imagery that that starts in the beginning of Act One when he's um, betting, and that he can't um, he can't push his physically push his way in through the crowd to bet, and then people smush him down, um, and more and more, and then with that very notable um, face wiping that Jean- Jeanette does to to wipe the puke off his mouth, um, he becomes more and more of a of a little boy as as the movie goes on and it's mm. really disturbing and, and savage really little boy <laughs> and revealing as far when you think back of his his original uh puffed up uh self to know that this is who he is at his you know it's it's a it's a honing of a human being that happens across this movie until his his you know everything is laid bare uh by the end and we've Re- seen this movie regressing before yeah and we've seen this story before and and um uh but n- this is so well done and so simple and elegant um it's just really surprising 
how, how well. I mean, it works. you know where I feel like I've seen it since. Just in talking about movies, it reminds me of, and and one is it's uh, so much of of uh, the the fingerprints of this movie are all over After Hours, in a way that I thought was so interesting. Oh. Especially that I know that yeah. uh, Scorsese is such a huge fan. I mean the. The, the 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 guy kind of lost in this yep. uh, hellscape who just he just all he wants to do is get home and he can't do it um right. uh really really feels like a big uh influence there i'm just sort of fascinated by that that story structure of this this journey deeper and deeper into the into the night like like after hours is and these characters you meet along the way that thrust you deeper and deeper it it I feel like it so often doesn't and can't work. Um, but when it does, it's, it's, it does, it works so well. And after hours is, is the perfect example and it allows for these strange vignettes to happen, which this movie has as well. Yes. If I had a penny for everyone who asked me to read their, if I, I, I know a script's going to be terrible if somebody tells me it's in the vein of after hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It, right. it feels like you are just going to get a really episodic script right. um, with some set pieces that is going to go nowhere. On and on. And it's not, it's, it's going to have very little drive. Um, and, you know, if, if not for the, the stripping of this character, I, I feel like then maybe this wouldn't work as well, but it's, it's such a character movie. Um in a in a surprising way because you don't think that a guy like that could carry a movie a character like that could really be worthy of a movie and yet he's the perfect um vessel for it uh a little digression by read on the website um that i uh, like quite a bit uh, white little lies that they they really gave this a uh, an analysis of, of this being a queer coded film uh-huh. And that uh, Gary Bond's uh, character was a uh, in, in in real life he was he's a, a gay man um, oh. who was somewhat out in the theater community. I read huh. dated Ian McKellen around this time, oh, cool. um, and that uh, they they point especially to the him vomiting at the thought of um, oh. bedding down with this woman as a, a, a really putting a finger on that. But I, I actually don't see that. I mean, no matter how you slice this movie, it's about a uh, city dweller who is uh, comes from a more civilized land in this world of these hyper-masculine types and him kind of regressing into that. So I can, I can see where you might draw that interpretation, but I don't think that's uh, yeah, anything in fact- that they were going for. And, and, and certainly from reading uh, uh, Kochev's book and how impressed or interested he was in the hyper-masculine Australian man. That that really feels like what they were going for here. But I, I thought it was interesting that, that there's a whole essay on being uh, queer-coded. I, I mean, I actually... So there's a, a reveal that we should probably get to, um, or a turn, uh, that actually made me feel <laughs> like structurally it, it, it was a homophobic choice, which is that he's he's um his life is falling apart more and more and then um after the the rue hunt um they're so drunk that he um he and donald pleasance go back to donald pleasance's place and um they're wrestling and roughhousing and then um 
they have this moment together and they cut and then um uh gary's or jack wakes up and um you see the regret and the fear uh, the the wake and fright moment on his face as he wakes up and I thought oh my gosh is is this meant to be the worst thing that could possibly happen you know that that this guy has um a sex with another man and and that's the lowest he could possibly go and so that's where I was kind of like yeah it, it, it may work for the time but that that actually is what may date this movie um <laughs> Well, I wasn't sure if it was sex with another man or was the or just the, the, sex uh, with Donald Pleasance that well, is the worst possible thing. That also, I mean, we should note they're they're rolling around on a very very dirty floor. Rat, and shitty just floor. The whole thing is very unpleasant. But also, uh, I, there was you weren't sure how much Donald Pleasance was was dominating him, and if this was so, a, I guess in the an assault. Book, yeah, right. I it, it, looked and have not been yeah. able to find. Uh, I don't have the book and was not able to find what that scene is in the book, and have not been able to find if you know any. Well, you know, the 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 ultimate source, Wikipedia, uh, said that um, that I think they describe it as him being on the receiving end. I think it, lit- it literally says something like that, but it's a vague memory. Uh, that's that's put in the in in the story or vague recollection by by him that isn't quite clear um so anyway for having not read the book and only read this synopsis that's that's what i read in the um, well there's there's certainly donald pleasance before that scene has a lot of dialogue about sex being something like eating lunch like it's it's just something you do it's a release out there and also he says that if jeanette if jeanette were a man she'd be locked up for rape um, mm. so that's already, that, that idea is, is put forth by Pleasance earlier. And there's just this, uh, this, uh, idea also put forth in the movie over and over again that, that, uh, in, in the outback where everyone's, um, feelings and their interior lives are so, uh, ignored, fighting passes for a certain type of intimacy. Mm. Um, and, and, uh, well, just, I guess I didn't being punched is being touched. So I, 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 I it's a, it was a very interesting. If it were moment rape, in the movie. I guess it wasn't made clear. No, it's very, I, very ambiguous. I, it did, it didn't seem like rape to me. The, okay. the moment and then the cut, the cut felt like regret, not necessarily I've been assaulted. Yeah. Well, certainly something happened, and if uh, if you happened. if you missed it, uh, they shine a little light on it later when. Uh, Jack's character goes back and there's a, there's a, seems to want some revenge against Donald Pleasance in a way. Um, right. Uh, but first he tries to get out of town. And, but first he and... tries to get out of town, but hey, 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 let's not skip the Rue hunt. So there is a, <laughs> a, a, a very extended sequence, um, uh, with with Jack Donald Pleasance and uh, these two kind of thuggish characters. One's an actor, Jack Thompson, who I I mentioned this was Chip Rafferty's last role. This is one of Jack Thompson's first roles, and so in in Australian cinema, I read that this was kind of almost like a passing of the torch because Jack Thompson became a a little bit of a a star um, after uh, not particularly this movie, not this blonde. movie, but yeah. Yeah, and okay. I think that's why he's pictured on a lot of the key art for this movie when he's on top of a truck. Oh. That's that's not um, 
that's not Gary Bond's character. I was like, oh, huh. okay, because he he was a, a little bit of a breakout star. Um, anyway, they yeah. go on a extended kangaroo hunt. It's very violent. It's very explicit. You feel like a document. You're watching a documentary, and uh, uh, you are. Yeah. Uh, and uh, basically, the 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 that's this this scene is in the book. Uh, the director, who is a vegetarian, didn't know how to shoot it, and then was told that uh, there was going to be a, a kangaroo hunt that night, as there was almost every night. Uh, his feeling was, uh, I guess, working with the Australian, uh, you know, animal safety authorities, was that uh, let's let's go out and shoot what really happens. Don't do anything you wouldn't do because I'm here. Right. And he's he's just going to shoot it. Uh, film it, and uh, the uh, Australian authorities like that, uh, or certain elements of it, because they thought they could then use this footage and it would uh, bring awareness to these uh, disgusting kangaroo hunts that were going on. I guess the meat hmm. was being shipped, uh, according to him in the book, to the U.S. Uh, for pet food. So the 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 hunts proceeded huh. like these huge refri- refrigerator trunks, dri- refrigerator trucks driving out in the outback, and then these smaller vehicles going out. And just like is portrayed in the film, they use a spotlight. Uh, it, this couldn't be as uh, any any grosser. Use a spotlight to freeze the kangaroos, yeah. and then uh, and then shoot them. And uh, yeah. and this was so horrific that one of the producers passed out. Uh, Ted Kochev describes as, as just really disgusting, really awful, went on for hours and hours. And then it started getting worse. Yeah. Uh, and they're filming all this because then they started, uh, they started missing or they started wounding the animals. So there's, they there's were getting drunk, too. drunker and drunker. Cause it's cold out yeah. there. So I, I guess one of the gaffers, uh, pretended there was a light, uh, the, the, the power went off in this, in the spotlight. So they could just, you know, cut this whole nightmare off, but this is still after yeah. five hours. And the most disturbing footage is not shown in in the film but it was given to the australian government and i guess they used it for their own purposes and Hmm. uh yeah so uh, so even in the in the story itself uh that the hunt climaxes or, or partially does with one of the um the the heavies uh one of the kangaroos is dinged but not fallen and so he goes up and has to wrestle with it um, and to cut its throat. Um, and then Jack's character basically has to do the same for, a, for a smaller, um, kangaroo, which really is sort of the bottom, uh, for him as he, you know, viciously stabs this animal, uh, for any of us. Yeah. I mean, killing a kangaroo hand to hand combat with a kangaroo is look in no way in no way does it seem like an easy feat they they look like velociraptors they're they're giant and fierce and uh, as donald pleasance's character says that they can like stick their claws up and like eviscerate you basically the the tail they can bounce up and down on their tail like it's a fifth limb and and that way they can kick you and crush your uh, you know crush your uh, chest in so that that to me i I was like how do they film this in the book they talk about it a little bit there was a kangaroo uh admiral nelson a one-eyed kangaroo that they uh (laughs) they used um and uh and 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 you know kind of boxed around with a little bit before he bounced bounced off but i was like yeah how, how does that work um yeah really uh, uh and there's a there's a uh a scrawl at the end of the film talking about uh, that explains a little bit of the context of this but for a lot of people oh, right. uh i think uh like i said michael york this was in the script didn't want to play the character because of this i right. think uh one of the reasons it uh did not 
do well in Australia is because of, the, of, of this sequence, or e- even in the U.S., where it was least, released under the name uh, Outback. Um, it's yep. a very hard sequence uh, to watch. Looking at uh, before the the night sequence of of the kangaroos, there it's it kicks off with this um, wild uh, driving sequence through the desert in like a you know a classic fifties uh, so car. Cool. It's really cool. Um, the driving is so well shot. They're just hauling ass all over the place. It really made me think that, um, you know, uh, uh, it, it could have uh, influenced George Miller. Just George as far Miller's as a the, fan. The, He's a fan. The visual, yeah. Um, it, it felt Mad Maxi. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's everything. This movie is so well directed. Um, that now I, f- I feel like I want to go back and watch uh, all Kochev's movies. I mean, it's, it's Me just uh, mind-blowing. I mean, I, I, for sure, I, I know that I, I loved First Blood, but it's been forever, um, and I would I would love to see that. Um, but even the comedies, I feel like, you know, Weekend at Bernie's uh, has endured, but but knowing where this guy came from, what what does he bring to the table in this, you know, wacky 80s comedy? It's it, something's got to be interesting, right? I will it's report been a while. back after I read the Weekend at Bernie's chapter of his book. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I, I want to tell one more story from his book that really I found very winning. So okay. uh, uh, as they were looking for locations, uh, they found this bar that is one of the exteriors. It's in the movie. And yeah. uh, whoever his location scout was or who he was scouting with was Australian. And they were like, you, you can't go in there. We can't, I can't go in there with you. They'll you know, kick your ass. Yeah. Because uh, I guess Coach have had a bit of a hippie look. So he okay. went in by himself. He said it, it looks just like it was in the movie, even though they didn't shoot that interior there. They shot it in Sydney, but it's, it's just the, the same vibe. Everybody looks over at him. Everybody watches him go to the beer bar. Everybody watches him drink his beer. And finally, someone came over, just really wanted to get in a fight and started calling him Stalin because of his droopy mustache. Hey, how are you, Stalin? Oh, you don't want to talk to me? Hey, what's your problem, Stalin? You know, really in his face. And finally, uh, 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 Kochev said to him, um, I'd love to talk to you, but I'm dead. Kind of a weak joke. Uh, but, uh, took a second, the whole crowd explodes in laughter. Oh! Suddenly this guy's buying him beers and these were his mates. These were his mates, I no matter where the- he went, uh, in, in town. Uh, he was, he was now accepted in and he said he really, this guy just wanted me to hit him really just for the physical contact of this town where there are, are, uh, men outnumber the women and there's nothing going on and, uh, almost intimacy is almost translates right. to fighting. Right. Well, you see that in in you know every five minutes in the in the movie that translates r- really well. There's there's a need there to sit with somebody and to drink with them. Uh, you know, it's sacred, um, and it comes across really well, and yet also totally frightening. <laughs> you know that you know once once you're in uh, uh, the trap of one of these guys. And you're three beers deep trying to catch up, you're toast. And so that's why Jack works so well. You totally understand how 24 hours could pass and all of this could occur. It, it, is, it is not hard to believe. We've kangaroo hunted. We've woken up on the floor of Donald Pleasance's uh, disgusting shack. We've eaten some kangaroo meat. And then our, our, our main character decides he's really going to hit the road, takes a Hops in a truck that ends up going 
what he, he thinks he's going to Sydney, but he ends up going back to the same he goes town. right back to the same town, which is, uh, works really well. Um, it, it, it steps the movie into, uh, obviously it doesn't go all the way supernatural, but it, it creates this surreal feeling that, uh, there may actually be no leaving this town. Um, in in the in the same way that uh, last picture show does right that the town the town has a power and a gravity to it and and uh to leave uh takes a, a level of strength that this character doesn't doesn't really have um but maybe it's not all negative because then we have this sequence where he uh strikes out to take kind of very vague revenge on donald Pleasance. You don't know exactly what's going on. And he's then sort he ends of, up as hurting he, himself. Uh, yeah, as he approaches yeah. the um the cabin, he's fueled by uh memories of all the sort of horrible things that have happened to him across the, a couple days, and they merge with uh his his fantasies about his girlfriend, where Donald Pleasance is uh, having sex with his girlfriend, um as they cut in between, and then he ends up uh in Pleasance's cabin, who's not there, um, and he crouches in the corner, ready to take him out. Um, and uh, and he ends up turning the gun on himself as 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 he decides that this is the only option for himself. And that seed is planted early on when he jokes in Act One um, with uh, uh, the sheriff's. Um, with the with, with the sheriff that that the only way to get out of a town like this is is suicide. Of course, we do have a few suicides. Yeah. 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 They reckon it's the eight. Me. <laughs> I like the eight. That's yeah, one way of getting out of town. What is? Killing yourself. Hey, that's good. I like a bloke with a sense of humor. <laughs> oh, killing himself. So, yeah, but then Donald Pleasance shows up uh, right as it's happening. And then I think the distraction um, uh, causes him to misfire. And then he wakes up in, in the hospital having failed to kill himself, but injured, shot himself in the head. Um, and he looks pretty good when he leaves the hospital. He looks pretty darn good. Pleasant Looking shows ready up for the a, West end. Pleasant shows up in a suit and, uh, it's almost yeah. like the end of like a midnight run buddy comedy or something as they bid each other goodbye. I know there's sort of some soft touches there of, Hey, Hey, old friend. And he goes back. He, our teacher goes back to his school, says hello to his, his landlord bartender and there's a, there's a sense that, uh, or at least I get a sense that he he's he's toughened up, he's changed. I I, I mean it's it's definitely ambiguous what is going on there, but uh, it, well, it seems there, like he has a, he has a resolve that he did not have before. I, so I didn't really focus as much on him as as the camera really stays on the bartender who's set up at the beginning. Um, you know when when. Jack packs up to leave after um, his last day of, of school at the schoolhouse. He sits down with the bartender who's, who's basically like, I'll, I'll see you again in, in six months or six weeks, basically after summer is over. Um, and Jack's like, 
I don't think so. Like you, you won't, if everything goes right, you won't be seeing me again. And then he shows up and, uh, uh, as they hold on the bartender at the end of the movie and Jack goes inside back to his old apartment, I, I thought it was a really neat way of saying that. And as, as the camera pulls up and, and shows this, this one horse town um, from above, it, it was a neat way of saying that, you know, every desperate locale has a story that is this sort of rich and deep and including the bartender that right that the bartender has a story um that might match uh this arc that that jack oh, has interesting. again not that dissimilar from uh ben johnson in uh uh um, picture show picture show and and the way those stories tie together Interesting. I, I like that interpretation a lot. I would much rather hear Ben Johnson's story than <laughs> that uh, sousy um, uh, drunky bartender. But uh, but yeah, I had not thought about that. I mean, uh, it, it, it seemed like there was a, am I, am I wrong? It seemed like there was a strength to the character, to the Jack character that he didn't have before. I guess. I mean, I didn't really feel like he's he gained any i mean yes walking out of the ha- the hospital there's sort of a strength in his step um but i didn't get a sense of that there he, he was looking forward to the future but there were there yeah. was a bit of like uh fortitude and what it felt like actually i didn't feel it then but thinking back on on certain places through the moment or through the the film um he actually whether he likes it or not, he ends up bonding with these guys uh, pretty well um, in certain key moments. And so what it allows for him is to have a bit of synthesis for his own um, self and not, and not be this person who, who is uh, above them all, but rather Mm. have some acceptance of these people um, that he's, he is bound to live with. Yeah. He is one of them. Um, Interesting. Love it. Uh, well, I, I I only have one question. Oh boy! Did you enjoy your time down in the Yabba? <laughs> I really did. I uh, I really like this movie a lot. I don't know that it blew my mind. Well, that um, was my second question. On a scale of uh, our special scale of scanners to Travis Bickle. Oh, scanners being explain a full that. Of uh, a full, if you know the poster or the movie, the head exploding, the famous moment in Scanners. Did it blow your mind like that? Or was it more like the moment when Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver puts his bloody finger, or before that, puts 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 the gun to his head and it's a, an empty barrel? It's an empty barrel. And his barrel. head is not blown off. Is your head intact or is it blown off? A very, two very clumsy, clumsy, clumsy ways to uh, rank this movie. I, uh, I mean, I'm not going to... I'm not going to put myself in, in or put this in Travis Bickle uh, uh, territory because it's it's an effective, great movie, and it's one that does its job probably uh, better than most. It's just I felt like I had seen this type of story before, so I, I wasn't personally like primed to have my head 
blow up in in that oh, scanner's so way. But a little, I'm a little confused. My, now my my brain is blown. You love the you movie. Mean? You thought it was great, but and you hadn't seen it before. That, that sounds like a, your uh, mind's blown. Uh, to if me. it blow if it blows your mind, it's it's it has to it has to be that you didn't see a- anything anything coming and i and i had a sense of what this was and and where it was headed it was just done really well so i'm right there in the i'm right there in the middle i think it sounds like the reason your brain may have been totally blown totally scan you didn't go totally scanners is because this movie's so influential and uh now you're now you're you're absolutely this is this is the most subjective evaluation that that Mm -hmm. could be given um but you know, I, I feel like we're going to, I don't know what, as we do these, the, we're going to discover that different things blow your mind. It won't necessarily be a story turn or, um, it could just be, uh, it could be the premise itself. Uh, it could be a performance. Um, I well, I might just be, a, I didn't I have my wig cheap, blown back. I might be a cheap date. Cause for me, somebody recommends a movie I haven't seen before. And I think it's great. My mind's blown, especially after the garbage I'm sitting, you know, watching in the theater every time i go to the movies i mean here okay here's what this this doesn't raise it on the scale but this is what i will say is that movies like this when they are um effective now they're that that is uh almost 50 it's 50 years old right and they're hitting me in a way and uh that terrifies me and uh creates tension that that amazes me so that aspect blows my mind so maybe that bumps it up that bumps it it sounds like yeah midway it sounds like uh you're you're close you're close like john grant the the protagonist of the movie this this uh this movie shot you in the head but you were still able to leave the hospital with your head not even bandaged much later so look at how uh, it sounds like it was mostly a success it was mostly a success absolutely um well speaking of success this first episode is in my mind uh, a huge success absolutely you know so there's a few things that i feel like we've learned here we want to rewatch some coach of stuff um i had watched the um uh the doc about um, exploitation, not quite Hollywood. I want to rewatch that because I not only was this in that, and I'd like to see sort of where it lands as far as you mentioned some of the the folks it, it, it influenced, but um, also uh, I remember watching that movie and writing a bunch of titles down and being like, "Wow, I mean, these a lot of these seem incredible, incredible, and just so under the radar." Um, and it just it blows my oh. Oh my God! Did you hear well, that? It that. blows my I, mind I that this was a lost film for for so long. That okay? Is, uh, All right. Oh, I so, might have. So theoretically, sounds like the cat's out of the bag. The so basically, bullet, this movie, the bullet hit the movie, brain. This movie blew your mind. Let's uh, chalk <laughs> one up for me here. Okay. All right. All right. That's a score. Um, all right. So the ball is in my court. I'm not going to say here and now what it will be. Um, but we'll next time we're back, we'll be back, um, with, uh, me attempting to blow your mind. I'm going to be a tough blow, especially after uh, the attitude you've given me on this episode. Um, all right. Well, I'm super excited. Uh, I had a lot of fun rewatching wake and fright 
And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what you come up with. Mm-hmm.